0: Stu, you must come into the city a lot then if you see so many shows. Do you do the quintessential pre-theater dinner, everything? Make a big evening out of it?
1: No, I'm a wimp. So um, (laughs) I'll leave work a little early. So I might get in and have a quick bite to eat before the show. And a lot of that would be at a diner. I love diners, but and then depending upon the type of show, I might run to Grand Central to catch a train home. Uh, sometimes I do stay over, but a lot of it is sort of a quick in and out. Not not the glamorous life.
0: <laughs> That's okay. I mean, we both work, and when it's like a 7 p.m. show, it's a mad dash to the theater. Yes. I don't think we've ever... Got into a theater 15 minutes early, sat down, read our playbill. Like, that's just never happened before. (laughs) We're always like, we have 90 minutes. We have 90 seconds to use the bathroom. Come on. It's always the situation. (laughs) Most of the time, I feel like I watch like two and a half hour shows at eight. So I'm used to getting out like at 10, 30, 11. And then... Whenever I think there's like two or three times where I've been to a 90 minute show at seven, and when I come out, I'm like, "What am I supposed to do with my life?" Right. (laughs) (laughs) You could have a second dinner.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Or you could just sort of sneak into Act Two of some musical. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah. No. Those. Those are. um, You know, in 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 the old days, uh, I'll date myself, but you know, when I first started going to the theater as a young teenager in the seventies and you know even eighties and nineties, you know, it was always eight PM and then two PM matinees. And then they changed I don't know how many years ago, but they were experimenting and it was Thursday nights at seven thirty. And I think mm-hmm. they were trying to, to draw people in more because it is a late night mm-hmm. and and nowadays it's just it's all over the map. <laughs> seven o'clock. Is it seven thirty? Is it eight? Oh, it's opening night. It's six thirty.
0: Yeah, the most impressive thing is um, so there's a bar I love in the area that I keep dragging Christine to called Bar Central. And they are like basically frequented by theater goers and cast members. Um and when you make a reservation with them, they'll usually be like, I'll be like, hey, can I get a time Thursday night? And then they'll be like, Oh, are you coming from a show? And I'll say yes. And they'll ask, What show? And I'll say, like, come from away. And they'll be like, Cool, we'll put you down for 945. I'm like, How do you know all of this? <laughs> I, like the hostess there just has the entire schedule in the back of her mind. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. So what what's the name of that bar?
3: Bar Central. All right. If you it's a good where, place. If you know where Joe Allen is, it's yeah. like this hidden bar. Upstairs from Joe Allen you just kind of like Walk up to what looks like an apartment Entrance and it's behind that Door
1: oh okay yeah I'll add It to my list Step out step out of the sun If you keep getting
2: burned Step out step out of The sun because you've Learned because you've Learned On the outside Always looking in well I be more than I've always been, cause I'm tap, tap, tapping on the glass. I'm waving through a window. I try to speak, but nobody can hear. So I wait around for an answer to appear while I'm watch watching, watching people pass. I'm waving through a window. Can
0: So welcome, everybody, to Bottomless Broadway, where we talk musicals over mimosas. I'm very, very excited because this is going to be our second collaboration. So as usual, I'm Cindy here with Christine, and we have Stu.
1: Stu Brown, and I have created a 24-7 online Broadway – I say Broadway music radio station. It's really show music because uh, I play – I like to say I play the best in Off-Broadway, Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage. It's Sounds of Broadway, and it's – I got a a great domain name, so it's soundsofbroadway.com. I have an app for the iPhone and Android device. You can also listen to Google Player, Amazon Echo. And I have, oh, let's say about 4,800 songs from 630 – musicals in my database so Mm -hmm. and what i do is i will program most of of the week so it's not just going to be some automated station that throws in music i
3: actually have listened to your um i use the app and I've, i've listened to it a few different times and you do have a really good mix of like shows i recognize and newer shows and classic shows songs that everyone knows and also like you said the lesser known shows some flops some of which like the names of the musicals i recognize if not the songs and some of which i just have never heard of completely before and it's pretty cool to see that mix i actually used to listen to like the apple radio station where they have um they have, you can like build a radio station off of like broadway albums and i did notice on that one they if you listen to it long enough, they start playing the same songs again and again. And it's like probably like a a 15 musical rotation or something like that. But I don't know if I've ever heard the same song on your station.
1: And I think I'm the only person that does this is every night from eight to 10 PM. There's an all request program and you can make the request at any time during the day. So you can go search the database and, play your favorites, or you could, for example, you might have heard a song from a show and you go, wow, you know, I really liked that song from Desperate Measures. I wonder if there are any others.
0: I (laughs) love that show. How did you see the show?
1: I had met the composer at, oh, I was at a theater in Connecticut. I think I sat next and we were talking. And so I I, I read about it and said, like, oh, this seems like a lot of fun. So I just called up for tickets. And, and it was, and, and again, I was talking about casting and it was just so perfectly cast. I mean, every actor and actress was just perfect. And it was just a very tuneful show, a very funny show. And, uh, and really one of my favorite songs that I play a lot, it's called, well, just for you. And what else is the other one?
0: I love Just For You. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: And It's a Beautiful Day. You know, it's just a very simple... Yes!
0: (gasps) Wait! Oh, my God. Literally, (laughs) like, two weeks ago, I told Christina I have It's a Beautiful Day stuck in my head. And she was like, what is...
2: What? I slept with another. Shot a man and watched him die just for you Dressed myself up like a no. Sounds like you had lots of fun But I'm in jail for what I've done just for you You say, you that, say that you love me, but you don't, don't have, have a clue Your love don't come near what I do just for you I stayed with that man all night just for you That shows that you care, all right Yes, it do I was good as I could be And I did it all for free They're gonna hang me from a tree just What I do just for you.
0: Let's jump into Dear Evan Hansen, which I'm very, very excited to talk about. But before that, as you know, we like to have some alcohol. Um,
3: Christine, are you drinking anything? I have some white wine. Stu, are you a drinker
1: or? I I am the occasional drinker, but I, for the occasion, I, I did pull out a mm-hmm. um i can't I can't even pronounce it, but it's a grapefruit beer
0: that sounds really exciting. How is does it taste like grapefruit actually, or is it one of those?
1: Yeah, it really awesome. does. but I'm also a a a riesling uh-huh. person.
0: Christine's oh, cool. a complete white wine person, and I'm a strictly yes. red person. And we split lots of bottles of wine. And every time we compromise, we're just like, let's just get a rosé. I don't even know if like either of us like (laughs) rosé that much, but it's just the color in between. (laughs) So Dear Evan Hansen is about a high schooler named Evan Hansen, who has social anxiety and gets caught up in the suicide of a classmate, Connor Murphy, The school knows that Evan and Connor are not friends. They've pretty much never spoken, but Connor's family finds a letter in Connor's jacket pocket and believes that Evan is Connor's best friend. And because Evan has a lot of social anxiety and also a massive crush on Connor's little sister, he finds it really difficult to tell Connor's family that he doesn't know Connor. And basically a lot of high school like craziness but also seriousness ensues.
1: Yeah, I, I it seemed very real and especially in today's world where social media can just envelop you and a lot of high school kids, even college kids, you know, they they kind of lie and try and weasel around things, not realizing that it's gonna catch up to them which is what happens in in Dear Evan Hansen. You know, sometimes it's, it's hard to watch. The audience is in on the secret.
0: First of all, spoiler warning. But I agree, it is very hard to watch, but I don't know if it did catch up to him all the way. Like, even though it was hard to watch, it ended up being a lot easier to watch than I expected because I feel like everyone let, evan off pretty easily
3: i did the thing where i like listened to all the music and figured out what the story was before i saw the show so i kind of knew what to expect going in but definitely you just feel a lot of anxiety for evan while you're watching it yeah um but and so i had thought because it's a completely original story i thought it was really impressive that they managed to write this story like completely new and interweave all these different threads. But I also think once I sort of investigated it more after watching it, the more you kind of pull at those threads, the more they kind of come apart a bit. A lot of the show hinges on you really have to be on Evan's side. And I do know a few people who they just didn't like Evan from the beginning, and they just did not understand the show. And I I do think that it does a really good job portraying like maybe what it feels like to have anxiety and to feel like you're always alone and no one understands you. But it doesn't really provide a solution to the problems. And not necessarily that it has to, but it doesn't. It kind of just is like, here is Evan, and he has issues that you may find familiar. But then it it doesn't really investigate how he can sort of put himself on the path to correcting those or to like get help.
1: Well, And, and I think that's a good point because I remember, you know, at the end, and if, yeah. if we're allowed, are we allowed yeah, to be yeah, spoiler yeah. alert, so everyone gets hit by a truck <laughs> at the end. No. You know, it, it kind of just, it kind of ends. It's like Evan has the big reveal and it's, you know, people ob- obviously are very upset at him and I, I don't remember the last scene, but I think it's him and Connor's sister and, and they're kind of just like talking. I mean she's really mad at him, but it kind of just sort of like ends and, and this was <laughs> this was a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, with families being you know totally thrown for a loop in the high school, I mean everything and, and he kind of did get off a little scot free.
0: Yeah, the Murphy family was very forgiving. I'm pretty sure like that last scene. Um, what's the sister's name? Zoe. Zoe's like, Zoe's like, let's put it behind us. Thanks for the apple orchid.
3: Bye. Like, also, what? we don't even they don't even let us see the reaction of the Murphy family when Evan tells them. There's no yeah. like like he sings um words fail, and we go immediately to him going home. We don't get to see, like, do they are they quiet about it? Do they like kick him out of their house? Do they even like, we don't see any of that. And I feel like that's almost a little bit of a disservice to them to not be able to see how much his lies have really impacted them.
1: Well, we also don't get to see the full impact on Evan. Like you were saying, you know, he's, he has depression, anxiety, he's on medication, he's in therapy, all these things. And, Okay, everything through the two and a half hour show he's going through and then the show ends, but it, it's not like, for example, uh, for be more mm-hmm. chill. The lead characters, you know, they, they've kind of learned something through their journey. And at least I felt that they got to know themselves better and be more comfortable and being able to maybe move forward in their lives more comfortably than. Previous in Dear Evan Hansen, it's not like I got the impression that he maybe changed. I mean, he, he probably did, but I, mm-hmm. I don't That's know. That's
0: such a good point because the next song afterwards, "Fail Is So Big So Small," which Evan's mom sings, and I really like the song personally, but like it is—it's a song so that the audience can like pity him, kind of, or like sympathize. Instead of, like, none of the songs him out at the end, basically. I don't really see any
2: progression
0: or, like, any lesson learned. And I think that sucks because um, the fact that, like, Evan is, like, 15, 16 makes this kind of okay. But, like, he does have to grow. I think if Evan Hansen was, like, a 30-year-old character, I would be like, I hate him. That's not okay behavior.
2: Dear Connor Murphy, yes, I also miss our talks. Stop doing drugs, just try to take deep breaths and go on walk. No. I'm sending pictures of the most amazing trees. No. You'll be obsessed with all my forest expertise. Absolutely not. Dude, I'm proud of you. Just keep pushing through. You're turning around, I can see. Just wait and see. Change if you give it your attention. All you gotta do is just believe you can be who you wanna be.
1: You know, when people are listening to our conversation, they might be thinking, Wow, they hated that. I'm not gonna go see that. <laughs> I mean I really love the show. I thought the score is great, the staging is phenomenal with all the screens and, and the movement. I think when you really put it under the microscope, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes eh, it doesn't okay. really make sense. Or you know, if you really look at it, it does kind of fall apart. Oh,
3: yeah. Away. Yeah, definitely. Like, to be clear, I, I think it's a great show. And I love that a lot of people, teenagers and high schoolers especially, are able to see the show and to see themselves in the show and to find – like hope or to to just gain something from the show and i think i i do think what story there is for the most part is really interesting in how this one event sort of affects everything else and and yeah the music is is incredible um but i feel like because it is so widely acclaimed and so many and already so popular i feel like we don't need to um sell it as much but i do want to make it clear that i i did like the show
0: like you said the score is amazing like there are so many numbers in this show that i would happily belt out at a piano bar and like some of the songs are so smart and i did like the show a lot and i'm one of those people that keep flip-flopping between like is darren hansen better than come from away no it's not yes it is So I do like the show a lot. I think, like, my one bone to pick with it is just it was kind of sold to me as this, like, amazing musical tackling mental illness. And I just feel like I would definitely not take, like, an impressionable middle schooler, high schooler to see it because I don't think it conveys the right message.
1: If you're at an impressionable age and you don't really know what you're – maybe you're seeing – it could be problematic. Um, so I, I was actually, re- I was reading up on, on the show and there is a, um, a physician. He says that the benefit of a show like Dear Evan Hansen comes from a process known as witnessing in which theatrical productions can provide comfort to those who are struggling. So I agree. I think if if you are struggling to a degree, To see a show like that or a show like Next to Normal that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can see maybe your life up there and maybe how they're handling it and feel that, as they say in Dear Evan Hansen, you know, you are not alone.
3: There does seem to be a little bit of a growing trend of mental illness portrayed in theater. And part of this is also, I'm pretty sure, because mental illness is slowly being destigmatized within Society as well. But, like, of course, the biggest one is Next to Normal, portraying bipolar disease. But then we also have Fun Home and then, like, Jagged Little Pill, Heather's as well, which we, we talked about in a recent episode.
1: One of the most famous shows goes back to the 1940s. Um, and that's called, oh, of course, my mind, here we go Lady in the Dark. And that had a score by Kurt Weil and uh, Ira Gershwin, and it was really the first time that psychoanalysis came up in a Broadway musical, but you, you really haven't. I mean, I think you're, you're correct that people are more comfortable talking about mental, mental health, mental illness, celebrities, sports figures are coming out, and I think theater is, is addressing that. You know, we said next to normal, uh, you could look at, let's say, Grey Gardens, which was a couple years ago. Uh, Be more chill. The the big song from the show, Michael in the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, right? How many? You know, how many of us? You know, sing that song in the bathroom. You know, that's <laughs> you know, you know, we don't want to go out. We don't want to. We're afraid. We, you know, how are we going to interact?
2: I am hanging in the bathroom at the biggest party of the fall. I could stay right here or disappear And nobody'd even notice at all I'm a creeper in a bathroom Cause my buddy kinda left me alone But I'd rather fake pee than stand awkwardly Or pretend to check a text on my phone Let's talk
0: about some of the songs a little bit.
1: I think I have every song from the score is within the radio station. And that's not always true for, for every, every show. Are there any
0: songs that stick out to you from this show?
1: I love Sincerely Me. Yes. (laughs) I I just, um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's this rollicking, rocky song. It's funny, um, but it also does sort of help define the characters and move the action along. I think uh, it's, the song, uh, To Break In a Glove, is just, it's so poignant and so sad. You know, I just really, I, my heart goes out to the father. I mean, I'm a father. Interesting. And, you know, you, you just know that here's this guy who has, you know, in a sense, he's never had a son that he could, Play with mm-hmm. you know this mm-hmm. is a teenager, you know you're, it's like little league or you know travel soccer or, let me help you in your school project and and you just know that, when, uh, Connor got to a certain age he just pushed away his father and all these things that a father wants to do with his son mm-hmm. it he couldn't do it.
3: You know, it's funny you mention that because I actually always thought of it as the throwaway song. But I never really conceptualized it in the dad is sort of grieving for like this kid he never really had, which does add another layer to it for sure. Mm
2: -hmm. And though this method isn't easy, every second that you spend is going to pay off. It'll pay off in the end. It just takes a little patience, it takes a little time, a little perseverance, and a little uphill climb. You might not think it's worth it, you might begin to doubt, but you can't take any shortcuts. You gotta stick it out, and it's the hard way, but it's the right way, the right way to break in a glove. So I
0: said earlier that, like, I personally really like So Big, So Small. And honestly, like, is it, like, musically an amazing song? I'm not sure. Like, half the lines don't rhyme. I don't think there's anything, like, special about it. But I just feel like every line is so important. And it's weird because this is the song where I finally started crying. And I was really proud of myself that I didn't cry through, like, most of the show because people around me were – and I was like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not going to cry for this show. And then I did it so big, so small, because I felt so bad for Evan's mom. Like, she was just like, I'm trying so hard and I have no idea what I'm doing. Everything sucks. And my husband left me. But, like, I can't even be sad about that myself because I have to be, like, stronger for the fact that my son lost his father. And I did not expect to cry there, but it really got to me
3: one of the reasons why I didn't necessarily connect with this show as much is because I actually ended up sympathizing more with the mom than I did with Evan. And definitely this was the song that did me in when she was like, Oh, I know I'm going to make like, I'm going to come up short a billion different ways because I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, like, you know, when you get to a certain age and you realize your parents aren't perfect and they don't, like they were never really, they never went to school for being a parent. They don't know what they're doing. Like you start to realize they don't have any idea what they're doing any more than you do. And so I think that really stood out to me.
1: Well, and I think also it's, you know, you're right there, you know, there is no test you take to be a parent and, and you know, how you deal with kids when they're growing up and all these different things. And, and believe me, as you get older, it, it, it doesn't get easier. It actually can get, it can get harder. So it, it is tough. And it, then you have to also take the expectations of your, let's say your son here that, you know, what, what does, what is he looking for? And how can I do this? And there's that vacuum in his life because there's no father and you're trying to do it all. You're trying to figure it out, but there, there is no playbook. And, and I think that does come across throughout the musical um, with both families. Mm-hmm.
2: That night I tucked you into bed I will never forget how you sat up and said Is there another truck coming to our driveway? A truck that will take mommy away The house felt so big And I felt so small The house felt so big And I And I knew there would be moments that I'd miss And I knew there would be space Cindy
3: mentioned Requiem earlier, which is probably my favorite song from the show, just because, like, it not only shows the Murphy family as a whole, but it, it shows the different ways that they both sort of cope and, like, not really even cope with Connor's death. Like, Zoe, and I, I find Zoe's plot line really interesting, and I, I really wish we heard more from her, where she was like, well, Connor was horrible to me. I don't feel the need to grieve him. But now that he's dead, everyone seems to want to make him into this saint. And I think that's just a really interesting perspective. And then you see the mom kind of make him into a saint and being like, oh, he was, I mean, like, he was her child. But he. she's also just, like, very... um just upholds all his positive characteristics where and the the father is is actually pretty angry about about him committing suicide because he's like I did everything I could for you but now you're just throwing it all away. And so I think that mixture of how this family um reacts to this suicide is just a really interesting song. Like it just makes up a really interesting song and to have so many different perspectives yeah. is also really interesting. to see.
1: Well, I, I think again, when you're, you're looking at an incident like this, when some when, you know, your child, it's not the neighbor's child. It's not a relative. It's your child takes their life. Well, what, is it my fault or he didn't have any faults. He was a great kid. Let me come up with all these great, I you know, great things. And so he shouldn't have. So it, it, it does sort of have all these confusing or different perspectives. And then, you know, like you have the sister who is totally confused with like, how is she supposed to feel when he was a jerk? You know, that doesn't change. He was a jerk. And just because he killed himself, am I supposed to feel all, all cuddly and gushy about him? So, you know, you, you have, these three characters all approaching the suicide from different angles and and they're all right i mean it's not like oh yeah the father right on that's the way no i mean it, it everyone has things differently
2: Why should i play It away, leaving these broken pieces behind you, everything wasted, nothing to say. So I can sing no requiem. I
0: very hard-hitting solos that I feel like are meant to solidify Evan Hansen's like vocal achievements Um, (laughs) because honestly like Taylor comes on stage I'm like okay cool like he fits the bill for Evan Hansen right off the bat when we get to the falsetto and waving through a window I'm like oh it's that kind of show it's a singing show like it's a real singing show (laughs)
3: Waving through a window sounds like it was meant for the pop charts to me, Mm -hmm. and like that's not to like downplay it because I think it's a great song, and I, I think it has some really great moments to it. But for forever feels more like an actual musical theater song.
1: Ben Platt, you know, obviously the reason he got all this acclaim and all these awards is because he could really not only attack the songs, but let's say, put in the right amount of emotion. I saw Grease, Mm -hmm. the original cast of Grease back in 1972. And it was, to to this day, still one of my all-time favorite shows. Mm -hmm. But they took it seriously in a sense like all the goofiness, whatever. They were taking it seriously and it became funnier. Years later, after the movie came all the actors in Greece were just strutting around pretending they were John Travolta. And it was, it was, it was horrible. And in, in Dear Evan Hansen, I get the impression where Evan is more like the original cast of Greece. This is being you know, the character is taking it seriously. You're not at the point where maybe if the show was running eight years from now and, and the lead actor is like, okay, I'm just going to really belt it and, and just like my emotions you know I'm going to have that on my sleeve and I'm going to get everyone just droopy but it's not like that. Mm-hmm.
3: It's dramatic but not melodramatic.
1: Excellent way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I like my grease analogy better cuz I get to yeah. I get to I get to throw in that I saw grease back you know when it, when it first opened. I mean
3: that's amazing. Got got to name check those things. That's right.
2: End of May or early June This picture-perfect afternoon we share Drive the winding country road Grab a scoop at Alamode And then we're there An open field that's framed with trees We pick a spot and shoot the breeze like buddies do quoting songs by our favorite bands telling jokes no one understands except us two and we talk and take in the view all we see is sky for forever we let the world pass by for forever feels like we could go on for forever this way Two friends on a perfect day.
3: I'm honestly not a huge fan of the love songs in this. Uh And I feel like they almost, I mean, I get why they're there. And I get why Evan has to have that love interest. But I just feel like they slow down the show. Because you started this sort of like ticking time bomb of when are they going to find out that he's lying. And and it I mean, these also just kind of make it worse. Um, because it's like, oh, he's getting more entrenched in this, in this lie, and it's just going to be worse for him when it all comes out. But I, I just, I think, as standalone songs, I don't know, they're not my favorite.
1: I think you, you, you need that, that love story just to break things up so it's not just sort of the march through time with Evan Hansen lying and, and he gets deeper, deeper, deeper that his relationship with Zoe sort of eases things a little. So any angst that the audience might be feeling is sort of slightly toned down a bit. Mm -hmm. And then, then we can go back into the meat of the story.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it acts, it adds to the stakes a little bit more because like everyone knows that. And I think like Evan knows like part of why, Zoe likes him is because he knows a lot about her brother and like that's what she said at the end of act 1. We're kind of all sitting in the audience like, "Oh shit." Um yeah. So I think like it adds to the stakes and I understand why it's there, but I don't have uh, like opinions on the songs around them because and I think like the show does this on purpose, but like there's no real chemistry between Zoe and Evan like I feel like, especially because the audience does know that, like, Evan's still lying to her, but, like, I don't feel like anyone's really rooting for this relationship, necessarily. I'm weirdly quite a fan of Disappear and You Will Be Found. They do kind of just, like, morph into each
3: other. Like, this is the Act 1 finale, but it's not the last scene in Act 1 because Act 1 ends with a very small book scene where it's... um, zoe talking to evan and she says you've given me my brother back and then she kisses him and then it's like lights out which it's like a for me at least it was a really weird feeling going into intermission like that i feel like an argument can be made about
0: how it makes sense because you will be found as such like an uplifting number that kind of takes you away from like how fucked up everything is at the moment because it is and then, so I feel like that book scene just kind of takes you back to reality. Like, oh, shit's about to go down in act two. Which it doesn't really, but, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I I think what they do nicely is, you know, there is that underlying tension. Because again, we in the audience, we know the secret.
3: Well, that that is why I think especially when I like first sort of looked at this show, I thought it was really interesting how all these different subplots connected with just like this coincidence of Evan, um, of Connor finding this letter of Evans. And, and then it, it just happens, which of course is just like, you know, dramatic license that Connor's sister is the girl that Evan has a crush on. But then Evan's act of lying propels both him into popularity but also gets him the girl and at the same time causes strife with his one existing friend. And so it's, it, it's sort of this, like, balance of he's gaining and losing things at the same time.
0: Yeah, we yeah. haven't really talked about um, Alana or Jared. And... I think they're also, like, such interesting characters. A little bit, like, high school caricature But, like, Alana's, like, this future and college obsessed girl who's basically, like, using a school suicide as an opportunity to get a leg up, kind of. Um, so, I mean, I just feel like neither Alana or Jared are saints either. And the relationship between Alana, Jared, and Evan Hansen is just, like, three-way hypocritical triangle.
1: Yeah, I don't know what to make of Jared. <laughs> you know, is, is, he, is, is he like a hanger-on? Is he, like, sort of a friend almost? Hey, this might be fun. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get involved.
0: Yeah, but then, like, at the same time, he does, like, make fun of or kind of, like, look down on Evan. I do get this feeling from him that's kind of like, well, I deal with high school bullshit as well. Like, what teenagers in the 2010s aren't depressed, but at least I'm not like you and being a sociopath.
3: I mean, this kind of leads us pretty well into good for you, which is basically <laughs> everyone being mad at Evan. And I, I actually didn't like this song that much when I first heard it but it really grew on me I I really liked the way they staged it and um and when when Evan comes in with his verse I think is an amazing moment in the show overall I
0: feel that completely just
2: cross your mind to be slightly sorry do you even care that you might
3: really talked about Heidi Evansbaum that much up until So Big, So Small. But when I saw that Rachel Bay Jones won the Tony, I honestly didn't think that Heidi had a lot to do in the show. So I was like, oh, yeah, they just, you know, gave it to another part of the Dear Evan Hansen cast. But then um, watching the show, I think she does actually have quite a bit of uh, emotional heavyweight to lift. Because, I mean, she starts out with, does anybody have a map? And it's just her being like, I don't know how to help my child. And I don't know what he's going through because he won't talk to me. And also because high school is completely different now than when I went to high school. And I have no clue what I'm doing. And then, of course, Evan finds this other family who's like richer, who... Like, they have a stay-at-home mom who can always be there to help him out and who can always spend time with him. And he, like, and so Heidi feels really betrayed by the fact that Evan is essentially, like, leaving her to find a new family. And and I think, like, her part in this song particular is also, like, just a really standout moment in a way that I hadn't expected before I saw the show. Mm -hmm. Because she just, she's like the most angry out of all the people that sing this song.
1: Well, I think that when you talk about, especially featured actress in a show, in Tony history, I mean, you can have people that have one shining moment and the Tony Award people are just taken by that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you could do like you were saying that, you know, it could be part of, you know, the Evan Hansen sweep and they didn't really sweep. I mean, they, they only won six Tony awards. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, sometimes people do just get swept up. I mean, again, my personal gripe is uh, back in 2001 where the producers, so the (laughs) the answer to the trivia question is, what show, what Broadway musical has won the most Tony Awards? And the answer is the producers, um, not Hamilton. <laughs> and the woman who played uh, Ula won Best Supporting Actress in a Musical. And she was very good, but I thought uh, this woman who was in the full Monty was much better. But I think, you know, it was all swept up with, we're going to just give everything to the producers this year. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, again, I'm not, Saying that um, uh, Rachel Bay Jones wasn't deserving, but, you know, was it more that she was part of this and the tone that she was setting for her character throughout the show, like, sort of put her, you know, put her over.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah,
3: it's always hard to tell.
0: So, okay, so next we have words fail, which I guess it's like Evan Hansen's big Ending.
1: yeah I, I would look at that as, as sort of the the big emoting number where mm-hmm. you know you know vocally musically, and you know he he's just sort of pouring it on like everything that's been going on for the last whatever two hours you know it everything is sort of coming up from him, his inner soul to sort of just spew out to You know, this is how I'm feeling, but I don't know really necessarily how to express.
3: Especially as acted on stage, it's also another case of like dramatic, but not melodramatic, because you can definitely see a version of this where the actor does too much with it. Also, just the progression of the song where he is trying to find the words to explain why, what he did, how he did it, and why he did it, and it's i th- I think it's just a very sort of visceral moment.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that in the ending. they um tie back to waving through a window because he has that like, how do I step into the sun moment?
1: Let's go back to square one. What was Evan Hansen when we're we're first introduced to him what's what's great about this song is it's not, oh, here's the happy ending. Oh, this character, which has a lot of, he has a lot of serious issues. He's better. Everything's fine and dandy. No, he's saying words fail. I, I'm still, I'm still Evan Hansen, and obviously with what's been going on throughout the whole show, things are getting maybe a little worse. But that he, he doesn't know exactly what to do and what to say.
3: Hearing this song before I saw the show really made me feel for Evan. But it is kind of him explaining a way he was like, well, here's why I did it, because I was so sad, and this helped me be happier, which is it's not an invalid reason necessarily, but it's not a good reason either. So it it does depend a lot on what the takeaway from this is but like no matter which side you fall on that argument i don't think you can deny that evan is really struggling
2: here i never meant to make it such a mess i never thought that it would go this far so i just stand here sorry searching for something to say something to say fail. Words fail. There's nothing I can say.
0: Stu, Christine, and I have discussed this extensively, but it was a competitive year because it was the year after Hamilton, and um, a lot of people feel like Come From Away should have won instead. How do you feel about just like that Tony decision?
1: Looking at the best musicals. You know, Come From Away, Groundhog Day, Natasha, Pierre, Dear Evan Hansen. I mean, all four of those are so different from each other. Now, I think the Groundhog Day and Natasha, Pierre, I don't think are at the level of Come From Away and Dear Evan Hansen. But those top two are so good. And I don't know, you know, if I was a voter, you know, I'm coming in there going, ho, ho, ho. This is what you know, this is what we need to do. Uh, but I, you know, I thought with, with the Tony Awards, with the other, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the other um nominees,
3: I think there were like 13 new musicals that year or something, which is a crazy number.
1: You know, it, what's, what's always interesting with awards is things can change every year so. Uh, you know, some of these shows, well, you know, definitely come from away on another season that could have like swept everything. And when mm-hmm. you look at a show like I love the band's visit, I, I it's it's different. I loved it. There's no way it's a ten Tony Award winning show. Yeah, <laughs> but what what was its what was its competition? There were no other shows to really nominate.
3: As a critic, so when you're writing that review, is there a certain thing that you focus on first? for all shows or does it really depend on the show?
1: I will say I have, I don't want to say a formula, but let's say, let's talk about musicals. I mean, I do want to talk about certain aspects of the show, you know, the score, you know, obviously the acting, the direction, things like that. But I do want to come up with that, that good introductory paragraph. Um, So that could really be on anything. I've never cried at a musical before, except you know for this one. Or uh, I was, you know, taken with this. Or John Doe's performance is one for the ages. So I, you know, probably said that, for example, with Tina Turner. You know, I, I really focused on Adrian Warren's performance. Um, so the opening, you know, I want to get something that, if if someone said when I walk out of the theater, okay, Stu. And give me like ten seconds what was number one? Um, if number one is mm-hmm. the scenery, the show probably has a problem. Um, but um, <laughs> I try very hard, and I will say I have succeeded in not being snarky. David Lindsay Bear said two things that every time I write review it, it's like they're they're sitting on my shoulders. One is, we read reviews. And he said that, and I'm thinking, oh my God, he's actually, he might be reading my review. And he said, you know, we are human, as in, you know, if, if you're going to be snarky for snarky's sake, or you're going to have some, you know, little jab, that can hurt. So, If I'm going to be critical, and I will be critical, but I'm going to explain why, and it it takes me hours to write like a two-page review, you know, because I really agonize like what what am I going to say? Because people are going to read this, so I I hopefully am able to convey my thoughts.
3: Do you write the review immediately after seeing the show, or do you wait?
1: So I'll let it, let's say, marinate for maybe a couple of days. Um, Sometimes I will have a burst of energy and maybe even on the train ride home, I'm writing a draft. On the radio station website, I do list my reviews. So if you go to soundsofbroadway.com right now, you will see reviews.
3: Cool. Well, thanks again for joining us on here. Do you have social media?
1: Yeah, so there's uh, my, my... Instagram is actually Sounds of Broadway. Unfortunately, my Twitter account, like Sounds of Broadway was, I think is taken. So it's like Sounds of B-W-A-Y. I do have a Facebook page. So if you, if you like Sounds of Broadway, please, you know, tell your, all your friends. And if you have the app, go rate the app. Cause that's supposed to be a, a good thing. If you rate the app and my app is like, you know, four stars or five stars, I, I get a, a you know maybe a, a a tote bag at the end of the year. So, um, you know, do all that stuff.
3: Yeah, and we'll have links to all of that in our show notes. But as for us, you can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Bottomless Way or email us at um, bottomlessbway at gmail dot com.
1: I, I just followed oh, you. Oh,
3: thank you. <laughs> cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Great. Got at least one. Spot. That's <laughs> it. You got another follower. Yeah.
3: Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure to subscribe. You can also rate us on Apple Podcasts. See you next time. Bye.
2: Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need a friend to carry you, and when you're broken on the ground, You will be found So let the sun come streaming in Cause you'll reach up and you'll rise again Lift your head and look around You will be found